You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. New details tonight about that fatal crash in Surrey that turned into a murder investigation. The integrated homicide investigation team revealing today the three people found dead were a mother and her two sons. Grace Key is live in Surrey with more on this for us tonight. Grace, what are you learning about the family? Well, we do know the investigation has shifted to the house behind me here, just on 35th Avenue and 149A Street. According to the neighbors, the family who lives there is a couple, an Asian woman and her husband, and the two sons they describe to be possibly in their 20s. But police have been here now for the last couple of days. Police are now confirming a mother and her two sons were found dead inside a car that crashed in Surrey on Tuesday, but they're not releasing the names. Near the scene of the collision, police continue to search for clues inside a home that's related to the investigation. One neighbor who doesn't want to be identified says minutes before the crash, he saw police knocking at the door and then a young man speeding away. He backed his car out of the garage door, down the driveway and onto the street. And at this time, the officer at the front door realized what was going on, and he ran down the driveway yelling, stop, police, and this guy took off down the road. Two hours later, the neighbors say police brought out another young man from inside the home. Residents say a couple lived here, they kept to themselves, and this isn't the first time police have been called to the home. All week, the police have been at, at the house for the last two or three days. Like on Saturday, we were out playing with the kids, and a police cruiser pulled up, and out came a, a, a police officer and, and a nurse. And they walked into the house and were in there for several hours. And there'd been police presence for the last two or three days before, before this. They are very close to family. They didn't talk to anybody. The single car collision happened at 10.30 Tuesday morning on the 32nd Avenue diversion under the Highway 99 overpass. Three bodies were found inside the vehicle. When officers attended the scene, they determined that something wasn't right, that, that uh, the circumstances around the deaths of the occupants were suspicious. Shortly after the crash, police were back at the home on 35th Avenue near 149A Street. He started using the orange tape or the yellow tape, barricaded the whole property off, and then I was like, okay, definitely something's going on here. So obviously still a lot of details unclear tonight, but I hit saying this is not related to any gang activity and there is no risk to the public. Sophie? All right, Grace Key reporting in Surrey. Grace, thank you. Vancouver police are looking for witnesses and dash cam footage of an assault that's left a senior with serious injuries. The VPD say last Saturday, a 64-year-old Burnaby man was walking along Euclid Avenue near Tyne Street when he was viciously attacked. The suspect ran off as two witnesses came to the victim's aid and called 911. He was rushed to hospital with life-threatening injuries. Officers arrested a suspect later that evening, but he's been released pending further investigation. Anyone who has dash cam video and was driving in the area between 9.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. on Saturday, March 23rd, is asked to call Vancouver police. A number of alarming findings in a newly released coroner's report into a fatal grizzly bear mauling in the Yukon. A mother and her infant daughter killed by the bear just steps from their cabin. Sarah McDonald explains how investigators believe the attack unfolded and why the condition of the bear is further raising concerns. 
Months after the extremely rare double fatal grizzly bear mauling that left a mother and her infant daughter dead, Yukon officials are finally releasing the results of a coroner's investigation into their deaths and detailing a remarkable story of survival in a unique part of this country. We now know Valerie Teo Ray, 37 years old, and her 10-month-old daughter Adele died instantly in the predatory attack by an emaciated and injured 18-year-old boar in a remote part of the territories last November. <coughs> Teo Ray walking along a trail on the family trap line with her daughter in a carrier on her back when the bear, already injured from ingesting a porcupine, heard something approaching and lay in wait. They have bear. We have bear everywhere. The bear moved off the trail, going under the branches of a large spruce tree that would have concealed it. It was from this point the bear launched its attack. That bear was probably feeling a lot of internal pressure, a lot of hormonal pressure, if you will, to uh, maximize uh, intake of calories as it was getting colder and darker. And Teoray's partner, Germain Rocheholt, encountered it himself. Upon returning from tending trap lines and searching for his wife and daughter, shooting the animal four times with a rifle, once fatally in the head, and at remarkably close range. It's gut-wrenching to put yourself or even think about that. Like, that's the, that's the worst nightmare for any man. Three recommendations are made in the report, including informing the public of the dangers of bear encounters in any season and of the grave risk an injured or starving bear poses to people. A tragic lesson learned in this remarkably rare encounter. Investigators concluding even if this mother had been armed, she and her daughter would have been defenseless. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A Craigslist post offering house-sitting is drawing sharp criticism tonight. And here's why. The ad offers the services of a married couple to house-sit as a way to avoid paying the speculation and vacancy tax. John Hua now on why those living in neighborhoods dealing with the problem say they feel betrayed and what the province can do about it. From housekeeping to yard care, there are plenty of services listed on the internet. Now one couple on Craigslist seems to be advertising a tax avoidance business. To get in there and actually make a business of it, it's kind of disgraceful. The couple behind the ads self-identify as J&S, married professionals in commercial renovation and finance from Vancouver, who manage homes and house it on the side. It feels like a betrayal in a way. It makes me really sad. I feel like, you know, do you live in this community? Vancouver residents say this doesn't help eliminate empty homes or ghost houses that are gutting their neighborhoods. You know, maybe it is taking it away from a family that could, that could rent it. On top of trying to contact JNS. Global News tracked down the house pictured in the ad. It wasn't an empty home. And Zin Tai Liu here isn't a house sitter. They use my, like my home picture. We might have some trouble with it. When asked if this is just an enterprising way to get around BC speculation and vacancy tax, the finance minister had another word for it. If someone's trying to avoid taxes, that is illegal. And so we'll be looking at uh, opportunities to be able to address that. With the city of Vancouver's similar empty homes tax, house sitters have to prove it's their primary residence. And their names are checked to ensure they aren't listed on multiple addresses. The kids are still not playing in the parks that you used to see. You don't see people taking community walks or, or talking across from you know, porch to porch. And that's really a shame. While some might see that as just the cost of doing business, others say it's exploiting a problem that's eroding their sense of community. John Hua, Global News. 
City of Port Coquitlam has approved what could be BC's toughest anti-rent eviction regulations. City Council unanimously passed the bylaw amendment last night, targeting landlords who use renovations to kick out tenants and jack up the rent. It applies to landlords operating five or more units. Under the new rules, landlords doing renovations that require tenants to vacate must find them other accommodation and allow them back without a rent hike. More tonight on the push for ride hailing in B.C. There are concerns tonight. The government's plans to require all drivers to have a Class 4 license will be a serious roadblock. Richard Zussman details the two key reasons it could prevent the service from hitting the pavement. Why on earth is she insisting on a Class 4 license? It's one of the big questions still lingering around the future of ride sharing in this province. On Wednesday, the debate around license class dominating question period. Uber and Lyft are working great in other parts of the world. Big Brother government needs to end, please. Class 4 licenses are now required for taxi drivers. And once ride sharing comes in, they'll be required for those drivers as well. Alberta is the only jurisdiction in Canada that requires one for ride sharing. The medical checks, you've got to know your vehicles, you've got to take an extra test. These are all important. I think if, if your kid was getting into an Uber or a Lyft, you'd want to know they had the safest possible driver. This is what is required for a Class 4 license. A Class 4 knowledge test for $15, a free vision test, a Class 4 road test for $40, medical exam processing fee for $28, Class 4 driver's license card $17. All added up, that's $100 for people interested in ride sharing. Plus, there's a required medical checkup, a test that's expected to put strain on an already strained system. If you wanted to lessen strain, you could lower standards for people with chronic diseases. You could lower standards for all citizens. You could lower standards for other classes of drivers. But the reason we have high standards is to ensure safety in the system. With companies eligible to apply in the fall, there's also an expectation there'll be an influx in Class 4 applicants to ICBC. The province is committing additional testers. ICBC will be ready to handle uh, the influx of people applying for uh, licenses that are required for rideshare. The Vancouver Police Department is advocating for the Class 4 license, something the province says was crucial in their decision making. And even though the province keeps saying Class 4 is safer than Class 5, there's still no data to show it's true. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on this. Keith, the B.C. Green Party was actually the first political party in this mm -hmm. province to push for ride hailing. Uh, it's not the only one of the party's priorities, though, that has been tough to realize. Exactly. You know, it's a tough position for the Greens. They don't really have any real power in terms of shaping policy, but they have to be given credit for pushing ride-hailing before the other parties uh, got into the game. But it's proving to be an elusive goal of success, and it's not alone, as you say. So we put together a bit of a report card on some of the key issues the Greens have been pushing in the last few years. First of all, a vow to stop the Site C dam. They couldn't convince the NDP to do that. That's an F. Also, they vowed to stop the LNG to the point of perhaps bringing down the government. That's not going to happen. That's another failing grade. Enabling electoral reform, well, that didn't happen because the referendum was decidedly the other way in favor of the status quo. But things turn on other policies, such as the clean energy plan of the government. The Greens can take full credit for that, for implement or being responsible for a number of provisions there, gives them an A, as well as their uh, plan in the confidence and supply agreement when it comes to improved transit infrastructure, Patello Bridge, uh, the Broadway subway line, Surrey uh, Skyway, Skytrain. The Greens can take credit for that as well. I talked to Andrew Weaver, the Green Party leader, 
Peter, he agrees. He's got some winners and losers. Overall, though, he says the Greens have more to point to for success than failure. We think we've had an enormous uh, success. Uh, we've tempered a lot of some of the more outrageous policies that we might have otherwise seen come forward. And at the same time, we've had successes. And, you know, we've, we're working our tails off to try to get ride hailing through. We're this close and we're not giving up. So that report card is going to change over time, Sophie. There's going to be more F's, but there's going to be more A's given to the Greens as well as they work out a complicated agreement and arrangement with the ruling NDP. It'll be interesting to see what the GPA works out to. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. A flag flap on White Rock's main drag has the mayor of that city and several councillors reviewing a city bylaw. It all started with a complaint about a Mexican restaurant along Marine Drive flying two flags instead of the permitted one. Nadia Stewart has more on the ultimatum they were given and the can of worms it's opened up. I just think the complaint is silly. It all started when one person complained about the two Mexican flags flying outside of Primo's Mexican Grill on the White Rock waterfront. It didn't matter apparently what flags it was, just the fact that we had flags hanging and apparently it was not according to bylaw. According to the city, Primo's violated bylaw number 1923, which they say only permits one flag per establishment. The wording on this bylaw is completely murky. Yeah, it says... Um, like it exactly says, you do not need a permit for a flag. Regardless, on Monday, facing the threat of daily fines, they took down one of the flags. What are you thinking as you're going up there to take it down? This is absolutely ridiculous. And they aren't the only ones who feel this way. This is like a kind of a fair weather street. When the weather's good, it's busy here. When it isn't, or something like this happens, they really suffer. They don't need stuff like this. They need help. Maybe somebody should revisit uh, those rules and change what's on the books. And by Wednesday afternoon. And we've come up with an approach that will uh, allow them to have those flags uh, up and flying very soon. That's just what the city did, reversing the initial decision and promising to review all bylaws affecting waterfront businesses. For example, the sign bylaw has been in effect since 2010. It's almost 10 years old. And I think, you know, when you have a bylaw that's uh, getting into the, the decade uh, age, it's time to review and see if it's relevant. <laughs> As for Primo's, the only reason they put the flag up in the first place was to attract customers. We thought it would help draw attention to this end of the strip that just looks closed down. In the end, they got plenty of attention, much more than they bargained for. Nadia Stork, Global News. But first, disbelief tonight for the family of a B.C. teenager forced to spend the night alone at Calgary's airport. The 15-year-old was on her way from Kelowna to Fort St. John to visit her dad for spring break. But as Global's Jill Croteau reports, the trip didn't go as planned, and now the family wants answers. It's not the most inviting space to sleep, but sometimes delayed passengers in between flights are forced to find a comfortable place to recline. Nowhere proved inviting enough for 15-year-old Emma Fenton. Frustrated, confused, and by herself, she resorted to some teenage distractions, Snapchatting her exhausting experience. I just kind of walked around a lot. They don't turn off the lights. There's other people around. It's kind of like, mm. 
How she wound up stranded at the Calgary airport is a bit complex. Because of a flight delay on an Air Canada flight out of Kelowna, the agents got Emma to fly on through to Calgary and rebooked her on a WestJet flight to Fort St. John. But no actual ticket was issued, only a piece of paper, which, when she got to the Calgary airport, wasn't enough to get her on the plane. She was directed to go out past security and see a ticketing agent to sort it out. But it was the middle of the night, 1.30 in the morning, and the ticket booth said both airlines were deserted. Where are they? Like, I was just kind of confused. Like, why isn't there anybody here? So that feeling of when you feel vulnerable and nobody wants to help you. Is... With her waiting stepmom in Fort St. John and her helpless mom in Vernon, both were calling the airlines and not getting any answers. That's all I was looking for was that human connection. There's a certain amount of social responsibility and just human compassion that says, recognizes that, hey, this is a 15-year-old. YYC Airport Authority officials say they're looking into the situation, but say there's no indication Emma approached anyone looking for help and that 24-7 assistance is available. Air Canada responded to Global News saying there were actually four customers, including the young woman who were destined to Fort St. John, and all were rerouted with WestJet via Calgary. The other three customers boarded the Fort St. John flight in Calgary without issue. After a robust investigation, WestJet issued this statement. We will most certainly use this situation as a learning for our teams, as in no case, regardless of the carrier responsible, would we be comfortable with a 15-year-old left alone overnight in an airport. We sincerely apologize for not going above and beyond and letting her and her family down. Once the staff arrived for their morning shift, they got Emma on a flight to Grand Prairie, still about two and a half hours from her dad's home. They had to make a quick pit stop at the Fort St. John Airport because her luggage did make it on the flight. Jill Croteau, Global News. Vancouver-born actor and well-known pot fan Seth Rogen is launching a new joint venture. Rogan teaming up with Canopy Growth to make his own brand of cannabis called Houseplant. Canopy will provide the infrastructure to grow the pot in return for one quarter of the business. The first strain will go on sale next month. Well, there's a lot more sniffling and sneezing across B.C. right now, and it has nothing to do with the common cold. Allergy season, they say, was late this year, but it's now here and with a vengeance. Aaron MacArthur tells us why and what allergy sufferers can do to ease their misery. Spring has sprung. No need to tell that to seasonal allergy sufferers. It has been a miserable start to the season. I'm tearing and sneezing. I feel like I have a cold all year round. Pretty sniffly. It seems like spring has happened all at the same time. People who monitor pollen say a combination of factors has led to a surge in the counts. Um, in the West Coast, it's uh, starting off a little bit later than it typically does. What's mostly causing the problems right now in the Vancouver area is cedar and alder. There are now apps people can download to monitor pollen. It's helpful for people to know what is going to be in the air um, on any given day. It helps you plan your activities, your outdoor activities. It seems like every year is worse than the year before, and some people seem to suffer year-round. Pharmacists say there are plenty of things patients can take, but most people delay taking pills until it's too late. Uh, so some of the things that a lot of people kind of um, are not sure about is whether it's an allergy or kind of cold or flu-like symptoms. The season has started early, but the good news is that it will likely run longer this year as well. Best to buy your meds in bulk if you can get them. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Sikh Heritage Month has officially launched in Vancouver. 
The opening celebration held this morning at East India Carpets, a family business started by Jab and Nirmal Sidhu. Jab was one of the first South Asian Canadians to serve in the Second World War and also supported several philanthropic ventures, including for Vancouver General Hospital. There will be several events throughout the month of April celebrating the Sikh community. Breaking news out of Seattle, where police have arrested one person after a mass shooting and multiple carjacking. Police say it started when an armed man tried unsuccessfully to hijack a car, shooting the female driver. She survived but veered off the road. The man then opened fire at a passing bus driver, injuring the bus driver. The suspect then hijacked a second vehicle, killing that driver as police chased him in that car he hit. Another vehicle head-on, killing the male driver of that car. At that point, police were able to take him into custody. No motive at this point for the deadly rampage that killed two and left two others in critical condition in hospital. Well, the victim is safe and unharmed, but there are still more questions than answers in that violent kidnapping in Ontario. 22-year-old Wanjen Liu is back with his family tonight after being tasered and stuffed in a van last weekend. Police are still looking for the suspects and a motive. Nearly 72 hours after York Regional Police say Wanjen Liu was violently taken from his condo parking garage in Markham, dragged into a van and mysteriously turned up in Gravenhurst, he is safe with family and answering questions. Mr. Liu is obviously going to be the best source of information for us as to where he thinks uh, he may have been, what, what happened. The 22-year-old who goes by Peter lives here. Those we spoke with outside the condo complex say they don't know him personally, just that he drives luxury vehicles and, yes, that they've heard what happened to him. Outside his school, Yorkville University, on reading week right now, there is relief one of their own has been found safe. He's one of our students and, uh, you know, we've been very concerned about his well-being through this period, as you can imagine. It's a tight-knit community, says the school's vice president, with 600 students who attend this campus in Concord. This is really uh, an anomaly. It's not something that we've experienced before. Uh, It's, it's, uh, um, you know, it's obviously, you know, we're concerned about this specific instance, um, but we're, you know, just typically... Uh, put a lot of energy into making sure that our students are safe and supported and uh, we'll just continue to do that. York Regional Police meantime are hoping for answers from those responsible for his alleged abduction. There we told them to release him. We knew they were watching and, and they did just that. So um, now the investigation is focused on the suspects themselves. Karen Lieberman, Global News. The owner of the trucking company involved in the Humboldt Broncos bus crash has pleaded guilty to five charges. Sukhmander Singh admitted he did not follow government safety rules, including not ensuring his drivers complied with safety regulations. He was fined $5,000. The company is no longer in operation. Last week, the driver of the truck, Jaskirat Singh Sidhu, was sentenced to eight years in prison on 29 dangerous driving charges. Sidhu had only had three weeks' experience when he blew through a stop sign, killing 16 people and injuring 13 others. 
PCMP and former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould has followed through on her promise to provide extra material in the SNC-Lavalin scandal. The House of Commons Justice Committee confirming it has now received documents from Wilson-Raybould. The former Attorney General vowed she would submit copies of texts and emails that she referenced in her testimony last month. The documents are now being translated and are expected to be released soon. Wilson-Raybould alleges Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's office pressured her into agreeing to cut SNC-Lavalin a deal to avoid a criminal trial. Boeing says it has now fixed the software on its 737 MAX jets to deal with problems in the anti-stall system that could be involved in two deadly crashes. The question now is airlines and passengers around the world scramble to deal with the grounding of nearly 400 jets. Is when will the 737s be safely back in the air? Today, as more 737 MAXs rolled off the assembly line, Boeing was giving hundreds of airline pilots and execs a look at the urgent upgrade to fix the software suspected in two fatal crashes. We're working with customers and regulators around the world to restore faith in our industry. Here's what the pilots will see, a simple indicator warning the outside sensors disagree on the plane's angle of attack. If the MCAS system pushes the nose down, like the Indonesian plane, it will stop if the pilots override it. Boeing says MAX pilots can learn the new system in just 30 minutes. Meanwhile, the acting FAA chief today defended the certification process, which allows Boeing to certify much of its own work. Our certification processes are extensive, well-established, and have consistently produced safe aircraft designs for decades. The FAA still needs to approve Boeing's software upgrade and its plan to retrain pilots using iPads, not simulators. That could come within a week, but it could take much longer to actually get the plane back in the air. In Health Matters tonight, a warning from UBC researchers about one of the most popular diets of the day. The scientists say if you're on the keto diet, taking part in the popular cheat day could be hazardous to your health. Linda Ellsworth reports. The quest to lose weight is leading a lot of people to the ketogenic diet. The purpose of the ketogenic strawberry. diet. Everyone's talking about it. The high-fat, low-carb plan that causes the body to burn fat instead of sugar. But there's still much to be learned about it. And so Dr. Jonathan Little and doctoral student Cody Durer at the University of British Columbia's Okanagan campus enrolled nine participants in a study. Well, the goal of the study was to put someone on a ketogenic diet and then see how they would handle a big amount of, of sugar, such as if they had cheated on the ketogenic diet, for example. We didn't design the study as the keto diet cheat day study. Um, we designed the study to see um, what would happen to blood vessel health, metabolism. The participants were given 75 grams of glucose, the equivalent of a liter of sugary soda pop. Then they were put on the ketogenic diet. After that week of consuming the high-fat diet, we give them another 75-gram glucose load just to see how their body's ability to handle that glucose load has changed. To find out, they took blood samples from the participants and compared them to samples that had been taken before the diet began. The difference was striking. When we looked in at the measures of their blood vessel health, uh, it seemed to cause some damage to their blood vessels. The damage, both to the cells that line blood vessels, endothelial cells, and to the vessel's ability to dilate. 
The good news, the damage did reverse itself. So while there would seem to be no need to panic, the findings may give some dieters pause to rethink their plan. If you know that it's going to be hard for you to stick to and you're going to end up having a cheat day, then maybe you don't want to go as extreme as a ketogenic diet. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Is Batman here to save the day? Like, seriously. The caped crusader makes an appearance in Kelowna. Why police are not amused right after the forecast. He makes an appearance at our house all the time. Well, the bat signal. You gotta, if you keep <laughs> putting right. on the bat signal, Batman shows uh, up. I'm so glad you reminded me right? of that. Okay, you gotta I turn will it stop off. turning it on. <laughs> Thanks, so. Looks beautiful out there, Christy. Yes, look at that. It's going to be a spectacular sunset. It was last night as well. Check out some of these numbers. Huge range in temperature across the region. Near the water, 12, 13 degrees. But just inland, 20 degrees in White Rock, 18 in a lot of areas in Cultus Lake, hitting 19 degrees. Pretty nice. Now, it won't be as warm tomorrow. We have a bit of a change on the way looking at the temperatures across the rest of the province these are actually near seasonal so nice to get back towards that same for the central interior regions it's really just coastal regions that are above seasonal the reason why we're going to see a bit of a change tomorrow, not much of one, is this. Just a small band of moisture that will push up towards us by the morning hours, bringing cloud, a chance of showers for those of you in the Okanagan Valley, just north of the border, and then into Metro Vancouver and touching into Vancouver Island as well. Now, by the afternoon hours, things really weaken significantly, but still a slight chance of an isolated shower. And yes, we still have the possibility of snow, by the way. This was from the 76 mile this morning. Thanks to Mark for that. So we're not done with that yet. And the reason why I show you that, I know it's hard to see, isn't it? Is because, yes, we still could see snow on the highway. So the Coquihalla, Allison Pass, and uh, Kootenai Pass. And that's just a few flurries. But the problem is it may be beautiful and clear, and then all of a sudden you'll run into a flurry. And it could mean several centimeters of snow. So when the temperature is below 7, it is recommended that you have either snow tires or uh, winter tires or all-weather tires and certainly if you're traveling the mountain passes right through until april 30th you are required to have that there's your forecast for tomorrow so let's get rid of the snow talk lots of sunshine just a chance of showers for lower elevations that snow that i was talking about is really just for those mountain passes generally a nice day tomorrow just a slight chance of showers and lots of sunshine through the weekend sophie and i'll leave you with this gorgeous shot sunset from last night thanks to john well done, John. That's stunning. Thanks, Christy. A would-be superhero crime fighter has sparked a warning from police in the Okanagan. Like, what is even going on right now? I'm sure a lot of people were asking that question. Officers pointing to this video shot in Kelowna showing a man dressed as Batman arriving at an incident where police, guns drawn, believed they could be dealing with a domestic incident involving a weapon, so potentially quite dangerous. After a brief exchange with officers, the man who calls himself the Okanagan Batman and clearly has a Batmobile uh, walked away. The Kelowna woman who shot the video says his appearance caused quite a commotion. It was a big ruckus, though. There was a ton of, a whole crowd of people came out and started taking pictures of him and everything, so everybody was pretty excited. Police say the man put himself and others in danger by injecting himself into the situation, and they are reminding the public, whether in costume or not, to stay clear of police incidents. You see, Batman's got to know, when the police have it under control, 
He's Back not either. away. You're like, done. if the Joker is out there, if the Penguin is out yeah. there, if the Riddler's out there, then you need Batman. Otherwise, yeah. you probably don't need Batman. Yeah. Wait Good for point. the wait for the bat signal. Yes, hey, wait for the bat signal. Wait mm-hmm. for the commissioner to call you. And I'm not so sure a pickup truck is cu- cutting it for Batman. <laughs> well, maybe he needs to like haul things as well. <laughs> he's got he's, he's got bat things to, to haul. put in yeah. the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about the Batman guy. Yes. How come no one ever wants to be Robin? Do you really have to ask that? question? I know. I just thought I'd throw it out there anyway. The boy wonders, not getting much love from the people who like to dress Poor up as Robin. superheroes. I know. Uh, last night, Josh Tevez made his NHL debut. Tomorrow, it could be Quinn Hughes. If doctors say the bone bruise on his ankle is NHL ready, then his first game with the Canucks would be against the LA Kings. Now, during their history, Vancouver has drafted defensemen higher in the first round than Quinn Hughes. He was seventh overall. But maybe not since the Canucks' first ever draft pick, who was a defenseman, Dale Talon, way back in 1970, has a Canuck blue liner received as much hype as Quinn Hughes has before playing his first game. Vancouver selects from the University of Michigan, Quinn Hughes. I, I think he's going to be confident he's out there, he's going to make his plays, he's not going to be shy, uh, so I'm excited to see him play. We're excited about, about him as a, a part of our future, but you know, he's still got a he hasn't even gone to an NHL training camp. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't played in a rookie game. In other words, the Canucks are not expecting instant gratification from Quinn Hughes. And they don't want anyone else to expect him to light it up in game one either. There's a lot of expectations on this guy. I just want to let him play a game and get his feet wet and get through his first game. There's, that's all I'm looking for out of him. When he does play, his partner will likely be Luke Shen, who was a highly touted defenseman when he was drafted by Toronto in 2008. So he knows what it's like when you make the NHL as a teenager. I think my first shift was against Osgood, Rafalski, Lidstrom, Datsuk, Zetterberg, and Holmstrom, I remember. So that was a bit of a what-am-I-doing-out-here moment. And for a kid who partially grew up in Toronto, Quinn Hughes is more than happy to get advice from Luke Shen really comfortable because um, I remember when he was 18 uh, playing for Toronto and he's had exactly what you just said 700 games so um, he definitely knows what he's talking about and when you got an experienced vet um, behind you like him uh, it's pretty easy and I'm just going to follow his lead and um, you know I'm excited. You know you don't get to this level by uh, not trusting your instincts and your abilities so I think that's going to be the biggest thing is to you know trust what got him here and obviously we all know that uh, he can skate, move the puck, and um, you know he's he's a very offensive player. And um, you know I'll just help him out any way I can, and, and uh, communicate with him. And we know he's going to do great. Do you know is that okay? So the team who used to play tonight. for Luke Shen, Toronto, taking on the Flyers tonight. Nice little pass there, Tyler Ennis to Connor Brown. That made it one nothing Toronto. It was two nothing Leafs, and then in the second period. Travis Konechny connects. And it was 2-2. And then Sean Couturier makes it 3-2 for Philadelphia. Little tip. But in the third period, Austin Matthews gets Toronto level again by getting his own rebound here. It's basically one against three. Gets his own rebound. It's 4-4 and they're now playing 
in overtime. Western Hockey League playoffs continue tonight for the BC teams that made round one. Victoria will be in Kamloops for game four. The Royals lead the series two games to one. They lost home ice in game two and Kamloops won in overtime, but they got it back with a win last night in the loops. Uh, the Giants did exactly the same thing. Road win last night in Seattle, 6-4, gives them a 2-1 series lead with game four this evening in Seattle. Last night, another big game for the guy we talked about a lot, Bowen Byram, who will be a high pick in the upcoming NHL draft. Maybe a Canuck pick. You never know. Vancouver has a chance at him. They'd go after him. Anyway, he helped set up Jaden Joseph there. Seattle gave Vancouver a run. The Giants are favored in this series. This is the insurance marker by Braden Watts. So, Giants tonight could go up 3-1 in the series with a win. World match play, and there's number one, Dustin Johnson, Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law. DJ beat Shez Revy in his first match. It's not knockout yet. They play three matches against each other in pools. The knockout portion comes Saturday and Sunday. Tiger Woods won his match over Rookie of the Year Aaron Wise. This is one of the reasons that long-distance putt there. Phil Mickelson did not win his match. I'll show you why. When you go bushwhacking, you, you, whoa, you usually don't win. You lost to Henrik Stenson. Although you would think if you did this, you would win. Kevin Kisner with a shot of the day, but he still lost to Ian Poulter in his first match. But this is still impressive. Oh, wow. Oh, very nice. The first-year Alliance of American Football says it could fold soon because it's not getting any cooperation from the NFL Players Association. It would like to use players who are on NFL practice squads or future contracts, but they aren't allowed. They can only use unsigned players. The AAF is only seven weeks into its existence. It says it'll decide its future before the end of this week. I've never even heard of it. That's one of its problems. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> that is an issue. They're just not getting their name out there. Well, now they are. Well, now, now you can tune in it if might you be too so late. desire. Okay, thanks, Squire. Here's your snow report for tonight. Whistler Blackcomb, nothing new. Grouse did pick up three centimeters, though. Cypress, Sasquatch, also nothing new. Temperatures are really nice under this sunshine, though. Revelstoke, four centimeters. Fernie, three. Manning Park, five. And Whitewater picked up 11 centimeters of fresh powder. Big White also picked up 10. Silver Star, one. And Sun Peaks, three. Kicking Horse received a nice new seven centimeters of fresh snow. Mount Washington and Powder King, nothing new. But they're seeing beautiful spring skiing. Okay, I know you're gonna get this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about do me? you watch Game of Thrones? Do you watch Game of Thrones? I, I've only watched. I watched it uh, once. There was a wedding, and everybody got stabbed. Oh like, no! This is the worst wedding I've ever seen. Missing. It's not a good wedding. No. Okay. Well, and I have never seen it, but apparently it's amazing. When it comes to pop culture scoops, it doesn't get much bigger than this. A BC couple in the Peace region are international celebrities for being the first people to find one of the prizes in a worldwide treasure hunt staged by one of the most popular shows on TV. Jordan Armstrong has the story. It seems winter is always coming to this part of the Peace Region. Known for its fossils and frozen waterfalls, Babcock Creek is full of natural surprises. We really like the area and we like to look at some of the uh, more far-flung corners of it. But this week, Kevin Sharman and his wife Birgit found something unnatural, a throne one of six hidden around the world in a contest to promote HBO's final season of Game of Thrones. To tell you the truth, neither of us have actually watched a whole episode. Their search for the throne sparked by a call from a reporter on Tuesday. 
Uh, she sent us the, uh, the official clue video, and I was pretty well convinced that we would head out right away as soon as we hung up the phone to go have a look. Prepared for a long trek in the snow, their mission ended just past the parking lot. There were two, two trucks there with sleds on them and also a snowmobile trailer. And this guy that we actually, a local guy that we know, came out of the trailer. And he said to us, he said, why are you here? And that was the big key for us because I answered to sit in the throne. The magic words, apparently. Behold Queen Birgit, the first of her name. And she still has the crown to prove it. It's a big, heavy crown. It's got to weigh 10 pounds. It doesn't really fit either of us, but uh, that's okay. It comes with a beautiful stand as well. You shall have a golden crown that men shall tremble to behold. They're not allowed to keep the throne, but you too can get a feel for what it's like to rule the Seven Kingdoms. The Iron Throne will be in this spot, just off Highway 52, 20 minutes south of Tumblr Ridge, until Monday. I love to hear the backstory. Eventually that'll come out about how HBO did select Tumblr Ridge. But uh, I think anyone looking at scenery shots from the area would, would kind of conclude that, yeah, this is a fantastic spot for something like that. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. I'm not, I didn't notice if Jordan mentioned or not. They, they they've the never seen the show. Not a full episode. Really? No. But they so knew how, how they to find the, the throne. Because they know their area really they well. And someone had thrones. said, hey, look at this picture. I and they knew see. where it was. They cool. But they don't get to keep it. They don't get to keep the oh, throne. It's going to be on display up there. They get to keep the crown. Until Monday. They get to keep the crown. That's They're cool. going to watch Game of Thrones now. You have to watch it. It's so good. Really? I don't, it's a lot. I need like a family tree. But apparently <laughs> yes, they're all, like, there's a lot of in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. intermarriage going on.